0: Hey, welcome to the Art Condition Podcast, a weekly show that will discuss the business, community, and often undiscussed stress and mental health concerns of being a professional artist or even a serious hobbyist. I'm Joby. I've been in the tattoo and illustration professions for 25 years. My co-host is Moose, a data analyst, social media manager, and art agent. If you enjoy the content, please consider visiting the Patreon page and the show notes to help support the effort. Or if that's not an option, please like, subscribe, leave a good review, or just share with your friends. And definitely go visit the links of our guests on this episode. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Our guest this week is known best as Cave Geek, a brand he personifies as a sci-fi and fantasy nerd who has a passion for primitive skills and ancient techniques of creating beautiful art. His buckskin maps are popular collector's items, each one painstakingly handcrafted, using the same methods our ancestors perfected tens of thousands of years ago. He's also an artist that relies heavily on conventions as a part of his livelihood. And Like so many artists in the same situation, he faced serious hardship in 2020. We're going to talk to him about what he has done to compensate for the loss of convention revenue, where he found aid in packages of loans, stimulus opportunities specifically for artists, and how the community he has immersed himself in through his full-time streaming on Twitch has helped him stay afloat emotionally as well
1: as financially. Thanks for listening. Here's the interview. Cave geek, <laughs> welcome, welcome back. You were just here, weren't you? What? What are you doing? What are you doing, sucking up oh, all yes, of our I time, was, man? Yes. I paid you're, you well. You're being a
0: Being a real hog here. I don't know. I I don't know what to do about this.
1: Slipped
2: you a 20.
0: (laughs) Slipped me a Mickey. As long as you're here, though, refresh us. Tell us again. In seriousness, you're an awesome person. We all love you. Don't feel bad. Tell us about you. Tell us about you and a little bit of your background, how you got into art, where you're at today
1: oh god um i was born 40 years ago uh
2: so i am originally actually from israel i'm not i was born and raised in israel um i uh, always like drawing stuff never like took it very far as far as being good at drawing or anything i was good as a as a as a you know as a six-year-old or 10-year-old but not really Anything impressive. But all oh, just being creative, making stuff, always collecting sticks and rocks and, and things. Um I started playing D D
1: when I was uh nine or ten years old, I think. Something like that. Ten years old. Fourth grade, I believe. And
2: that that, that I would call that just one of the biggest mile, milestones in my life. And
1: I'm still playing now, thirty years later. And what else? um was really
2: into animals and nature as a kid and all that and then in my early 20s i started you know traveling i came to the u.s i took some uh, survival primitive technology classes etc and that's the second big milestone in my life where i discovered the world of primitive technology and and survival and things like that and tracking and fell in love with it, and that's what I did with my with my life uh, for over a decade. I somehow got shoehorned, just by coincidence, into um, making, you know, tanning traditional brain tan buckskin, um, which we can get to later as to what that is. It's an <laughs> ancient form of weather. And um, so I got into doing that, and then teaching that, uh and um traveling around and teaching workshops on how to do that and how to do other other primitive survival stuff and one day my my nerd and, or my geek and my caveman collided and i i started making nerdy things out of natural materials uh and primitive technology ish um uh, first, I was making bone swords knives that are based on Lord of the Rings and the Lord of the Rings movies and things like that and then uh I, and I made a map um I had done a couple of uh w- creatively just just for the sake of doing it. I had done a little bit of wood burning uh before and maybe one project that I burned on an actual uh on actual buckskin uh but when the Hobbit movies were coming out, I just had this idea because I was already making the bone sort of what would a primitive elf knife look like, right, out of a bone, just out of my own curiosity, and I had the thought, well, what would a primitive map of Middle Earth look like? I want to make myself a map of Middle Earth, and I mean, I wanted, I just wanted a map, honestly. I just wanted a map, and because I was, I was broke. Um, I was like, well, I'm not, I can't buy one, so I'll make it. So I thought, well, I could make it a primitive map. I could make it on deer skin. Cause I have one and I could paint it with pigments. Cause I have them. I was staying with a friend who had some pigments and I just sticks and whatever, and just figured out how to do that. So I made long story short. I made my first, first real primitive, uh, sort of fantasy map. And when I did that, I discovered that uh, not only was it awesome and I liked it and strange things happen. We'll get to what I make and how I make it later. But um, I started making more things pretty soon. And within uh, a couple of years, I I was doing things kind of loosely for a couple of years on the side. And then um, started going to conventions to
1: sell stuff and figuring that out. That was about six years ago. Um, and there you go. That's where I am.
2: Now I uh, I make mostly fantasy maps, but other stuff sometimes as well. All of it on Deerskin or made digitally from photos of Deerskin. <laughs> and um, 2020, I don't travel to conventions anymore, but that used to be the main thing I would do. And I stream on Twitch.
3: How long have you been uh, streaming on Twitch? You said you've been doing map making for six years. Have you been streaming on Twitch for six years?
2: no uh, i've been streaming on twitch for about i want to say four years now i think it was 20 god 2017 i think december 2017 is when i started i
1: think so no how no 2016 20, I, I don't it's it's been four <laughs> years <laughs> give, give or take a year give or take a year
0: yeah. um how regularly do you stream? How how consistent
2: are um, you in that? I stream almost every day. Almost every day, especially this year, I stream. Uh, I can pull up the stats; <laughs> they're kind of ridiculous. Um, but I've streamed. There, there are times when I stream. You know, I can. I, I look back and I see that I've streamed the whole month without taking a day off. Oh, what so, for real?
1: Yeah. A whole month in a row.
2: Well, you know, I go offline, but I streamed every day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was, so you don't stream <laughs>
0: yourself sleeping and going to the bathroom? Right.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Okay. Interesting. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Sure. Um, what I, what I want what I, to what I rewind just a little bit, though, and maybe you can tell me a little bit like how you found out about streaming and okay. what appealed to you about it. like What said to you, this is something that I want to do?
2: uh i so I knew about streaming from actually two friends of mine that streamed already at the time. One is uh if I can give them shout outs, um, Stetherel, who streamed games. He was a personal friend, real life uh, and streamed games, so I would occasionally go on Twitch just to hang out with him on his stream and then the other friend was Steven Meisner, Solar Roboto Industries, who no longer streams uh, he streams creative, he's one of the finest prop makers, private. Prop makers in the country, um, and so he streamed the creative side of it. So I kind of I, I I would hang out with either one of them. I didn't really watch anybody else. So but the idea, the seed was planted in my head, and maybe maybe it's something I could do. But I'm like, eh, you know, just didn't didn't really make the push to do it. Didn't have didn't I didn't have the necessary push to do it. I guess. And then on actually during a convention uh Dragon Con 2017 I believe see now I'm like you know. anyway i um i uh got a commission for a map of middle earth from a couple for their uh, it was going to be their 30 something anniversary present to themselves and they were major major lord of the rings uh fans they wouldn't call, Jim wouldn't call himself a scholar, a Tolkien scholar, but it's damn close. Other people would. <laughs> so, so I, and they had a lot of input. It was the perfect, honestly, the perfect customer for a commission. Like that gives you all the information you ask and more, right? And with, with photos and, and notations and everything. Because with a map, while there is room for creative input, there's, you know, I need to know why things are the way they are and where they are so that I can make a map accurately. Can't just take a creative license w- with where things up, are in the map or oh, what they look like.
1: We lost Moose. Um, it, it happens every now and then.
0: Ignore it. He'll be back.
2: <laughs> he, go <laughs> he always comes back. A um, Moose. Anyway, um, so I asked them, hey, how would you like to see your map being made live and you could give me some live feedback on things because i had a lot of questions and they're like sure that sounds great and that really was what pushed me to start streaming because i'm like hey i've got i've got a customer that that needs this right <laughs> so i i had uh Stetherell, dan and and uh, Solar roboto steven who sort of gave me a little bit of advice you know just setting me up with you know download this you know obs and do that and do this and this is how that works uh and I got started.
1: And you know. That's how I got into it four year four three, four years later, however much that is.
0: Um I'm still here. Do you think that there's do you think there's a way that streaming has affected either the way that you make art or the type of art that you make? Or um, has the type of or has the type of streaming, like your style of stream of stream only been affected by the type of artwork that you do.
2: No, does that question makes sense. I... I think it does. If not, I'll I'll make it make sense. I'll I'll make up <laughs> my own meaning to it. Um, it definitely affected my art for sure. First, I will say the first thing I will say is that streaming is the best thing I ever did for my for my creativity uh, because, and especially if you want to take a look at dry technical terms my portfolio because once Mm -hmm. streaming became a habit, and I I, it sort of needs to be something you enjoy and you make it a habit, right? You don't you're not gonna make a habit something you that isn't fun. Right. So once I started enjoying it and and I kind of kind of didn't have a choice in the beginning. Now that I think about it, because I was making a map and I told the customer you'll be able to watch this live and I was working on it every day for probably a month or two, then I had to be there to show them. So I had that, that trigger in place to, to force me to go, right, like going to the gym or whatever. So I had the, the thing that forced me to go live every day for, for a few weeks. And then it became fun because people started showing up that I didn't know. Some people from real life, some friends from real life would show up, but mostly it was random people on Twitch. And some of those would come back, right? So now you're starting to make friends, relationships with people. And so it became fun. And once it became fun and it became a habit, then when I ran out of a commission to make, when I didn't have any more paid work to do, which was most of the time, I still would think about what's the next project I'm going to work on because I can't just sit here, twiddle my thumbs. Uh, I re- that, Some streamers do, then that's fine. And, and you know, it, it, if thumb twiddling is what they stream, that's great. But I really have to keep my hands busy and I like making stuff. And I was convinced, at least at the beginning, that people come into my stream and they stay there because they want to see me work. Uh, and I, I learned that that's not true necessarily. So I would keep thinking about what's the next project, which meant that my pile of actual maps or or artwork kept getting bigger my portfolio kept getting bigger and bigger which was a great thing so and before i would stream i would work on either commissions if i had them or just enough to to because i was going to conventions already for like a year or two at the time Uh, and i was thinking well you know once i have enough inventory of originals to fill a booth at a convention well i don't need to make more right what's the point I wasn't really, I was on Instagram and Facebook and barely posting, you know, and so I wasn't really promoting myself too much. I was just comfortable sort of with just going to conventions and if I can fill a booth and that's it and I don't have to make any more stuff, which isn't a great way to do things because then your stuff gets old and boring and you don't don't improve as an artist if you don't keep making things. So yeah, streaming really affected, It, it made me get a whole lot better because it forced me to keep making things a lot of i think a lot of craftspeople, a lot of artists creative whatever they they uh, have trouble practicing because you got to really make yourself practice and i hate the word practice so it's kind of going off course here but i did i wasn't practicing i was actually making things to make them not for the sake of studying it or or just trying this out and you know no, it was. I'm gonna make this thing as best as I can, and then I'll make the next thing as best as I can, and then I'll make the next thing because I want people on my stream to have something to watch, right? So that's how it worked.
3: I've heard that uh, some artists have a difficult time doing their feel like doing their best work on stream, whether it's pressure from being watched or just juggling multiple things. The distraction. And not concentrate. Yeah. Yeah. So have you had any of that, or did you have to overcome any of it at some point?
2: Nope. Um, maybe maybe I am undiagnosed ADD or something, so distraction is fine. <laughs> um, but I also have a background in teaching when I was teaching primitive skills. Uh, you know, So that's doing a workshop with people watching, and I have to instruct all of them, and I have to pay attention to a dozen different people doing a dozen different things at the same time. So... There's probably something to that. Where I came from a background that gave me the skills to be distracted, and I feel like um at least me personally, I think anyone could learn it. Uh, I have the ability to to really focus on something. It's been rare. If there are people here watching who are um, regulars on my stream, they'll tell you it's rare that I say, "Guys, I, I sorry, I, I really got to focus on this for a minute." And I can't pay attention to chat, but it happens for the most part. I can sort of split my attention. I'll work on whatever I'm doing and I'll look up a couple of minutes from now, which is why I miss chat all the time maybe maybe a lot of other streamers feel an obligation to pay attention to chat. I don't screw you guys <laughs> <laughs> no. well it's it's fun we're having <laughs> I'm having a fun conversation with people and hanging out i'm not i'm not um I don't feel obligated to really engage 100% of the time with 100% of the people and respond to 100% of the messages that people post. I'd like to, but it's not something I stress over. Obviously, the project I'm working that, on is my priority.
0: Yeah, I think that maybe that's the key difference. Like when people do talk about being distracted in their streams or not getting the best work that they could be or that they feel that they should be, it comes from maybe that sense of obligation of like, I need to be paying a certain amount of attention or like the priority of attention should be on chat. And I don't know, it's not to say that one is the right way or one is the wrong way. Right. I, I no it just right, comes down no to right. your, right. yeah, just your, your personal style. And
1: I, I, I guess I, I
2: will, if I it, will, sorry, but I, I will, I will like, go on a tangent in my head while while you are talking, right? So so it's the same thing. I don't, I don't, I, I have a hard time paying 100% attention to the one person in front of me when they're talking. So it's okay if there's 10 or 20 or however many of them talking and rare, that's rare uh, while I'm working. It actually maybe makes it easier because I have something from my brain to sort of distract itself
1: with, with, with either the chat or the work. So. Mm-hmm. Better than getting distracted with Twitter
0: um.
1: or Facebook. Or, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: we have we have talked in past episodes though about uh, burnout and fatigue from lots of streaming with you know, other artists that have been on the show and that do streaming as well. And but when you, so when you talk about streaming for a month straight, you know, without really taking a day off from from the streaming, um, man, that. That feels like a lot. Like I, I get worn out if I stream for like more than a few days in a row <laughs> without taking a break. Again, is it, I guess this is just like personal style. You've just you like your brain just works that way, or that, do you ever feel burnout? And there's things that you do to sort of compensate and rectify that.
2: Um. Yes and no. So actually, I did pull up the the stats from Twitch, and it's it kind of when I look at those, I go, oh my god, really. <laughs> So, you know, there's the path to partner thing, which I'm never going to get, but out of the, you have to stream for 25 hours in a single month, right? That's the minimum. I had streamed for 179.48 hours out of the 25. Crap. (laughs) And I streamed 30 out of the last 12 days,
1: right? So the last 30 days, I did not take a day off. So um, do I get burned out? I get tired, but not necessarily from streaming. Just life in general,
2: and mm-hmm. I've noticed, I've noticed, almost every single time where I was just really tired or just down or whatever. And because let's face it, I, I a, and my situation may be different. I live. I have one roommate who, uh, because our schedules are opposite, I barely see each other. Right, with uh, I'm not entirely an introvert but i'm definitely not an extrovert so i don't necessarily go out with a lot of friends i actually moved here from i moved to georgia from new jersey a couple of years ago so i don't have a whole lot of friends here and a couple of years means half of that time has been 2020 where you just don't go out so um i stay home most of the time anyway and i would i used to get my my fix on people my social fix at conventions where you go on on a weekend and you see a hundred thousand people and then you don't want to see anybody for another year. But you know, in two weeks you have to do it again. So streaming for me was kind of a, a perfect like baseline. I can interact with people, but they're not in my space. I, I can, I can say hello to all my friends. I can check in on them. They can check in on me.
1: We hang out, we joke around, we listen to cool music, whatever, but they're not, in my room with me or I don't
2: have to leave my room to do it (laughs) and they're not coming in here so but when I feel bummed out and tired and like oh man I just want to sleep and I don't feel like streaming all that it invariably the times when I force myself to get up you know wash my face go stream because you you do have work to do and I'll stream those are those are the best streams where I actually just feel oh thank god I did because I feel much better about life in general Right. Instead of if I didn't stream, what would change? Nothing. Right. So you
3: mentioned music, and that's a bit <laughs> of a uh, hot button issue on the on Twitch at the moment. Currently, yeah. So what is your are we solution even allowed to, to talk you... about this? Yeah, we can. Hey, hey, hey. What's your so- what's okay. your solution to avoiding being DMCA take <laughs> I don't have one.
1: I don't have a solution. So, that, but you that's- have a <laughs> system. It... I have a what? You have a system. You took uh,
2: precautions. Did I? I <laughs> the only the only precaution I took was I deleted all the old stuff, all my old vods and clips that contained any copyrighted stuff. Um, I still, it would be really difficult for me to stream without music. I, I again, it's one of those maybe because my brain has to work on multiple tracks at the same time, and having music. I if you watch my stream, I'm constantly singing along to music, not because I I, I think I sing well. <laughs> <laughs> just because, like, I just like to, and it's something so, from my brain to do. So I would have a really hard so time.
1: Do, you... do I not? Like Sorry, it? I was talking over you. <laughs> I talked over you. I Go thought ahead. he was going to say that save...
3: he uh, deleted the, the the ability to make clips and there's, uh, no longer. Uh, I, so I did stop
2: that. Okay, I did. I did uh, pause. I, I put a stop to clip making, which honestly. Most people, when I went through my clips the first time, which was back in June when this whole thing blew up and I decided to go through my clips, it was just ridiculous. The amount of clips of nothing. I'm not even saying that there was just somebody might have thought this was quality content and I just disagree. No, there was literally nothing. Like I wasn't working. There was silence. There was like, why? (laughs) So there was so much of that. That it just, and I get I get annoyed with with uh, digital clutter sort of thing, right? So I just like, I just stopped it entirely. Maybe I'm missing out on a few funny memories, but really the, you know, you could use clips. I found out you could use clips to your advantage, uh, from mar- a marketing standpoint, there was one clip of mine and it wasn't even a mine. It was a clip from a convention of the convention floor. Just showing the floor and a couple of people cosplayers moving past the camera. I wasn't saying anything in that clip. There's right. Somebody saw that. So the person who clipped that, I think, saw my stream during the convention and shared that to a subreddit for a cosplay fail or something. It wasn't even that fun. I, I don't know why, but that clip had <laughs> hundreds of views on it. Hundreds where the max that the the next the next biggest clip had like 40 over over the course of 4 years or something so and most of them had one two cuz just the person who made them saw them and that's it right so i guess you could strategically use clips to to market yourself if you want but i just anyway i just decided to shut it down and not have clips and then it came out that actual vods were getting flagged as well i guess so i just went and deleted mm-hmm. all of my vods because on to me, again, uh, it, it, and we're, we have to get to that, I suppose, the, the attitude of streaming and what you get out of it and what you want to get out of it. I don't stream to be a streamer. I don't care if I have VODs on or not. I really don't. I'm there for the moment. I tell my viewers all the time that they are there to entertain me, not the other way around, because otherwise I would be watching Netflix, <laughs> right? And I would run out of, of shit to watch on Netflix. So so they're there, because I would get bored otherwise. That's why I stream now, and I don't care if there's a vod or not. The two people that are going to go watch the vods, I'm sorry. Uh, I know that I do stream some gaming, and some people that are like if we're streaming a game with some storyline to it and people really want it to catch up on what we've done, then they go watch the vod, but I'm sorry it's It's a loss, but it's not a huge loss, not to me anyway. so. Um so that's how I avoid it. I guess the DMCA stuff. I'm still listening to music live maybe. I guess I can't admit that too much, but <laughs> I'm still potentially maybe listening to music and have song requests on my stream. Um it certainly keeps me it keeps my my energy uh going. I know that sometimes if if the song requests are really weird, depressing things or whatever, right? I just my productivity drops, right? So, the energy level is definitely determined by, by what music is playing. Sometimes I'm just really tired and I'll, I'll just, all right, I need some heavy metal to wake me up so I can keep working. So,
0: yeah, I was going to say that there are, you know, DMCA proof, you know, royalty free playlists and stuff, but the majority that I've come across are, uh, they're like, you know very they're too mellow or they're i, I mostly will tell all you mellow and soundtracks and you're not getting any like heavy metal or anything like too energizing if i out click
2: of them. if i click on a stream and i hear and on a, and it's all creative streams if i click on a creative stream and i hear that smooth jazz elevator music bullshit, i'm out of there hey,
0: Seriously. hey that's me I, I play that
2: yes <laughs> I,
0: play, I, I play that all for this very reason
2: have, but you have the the sexy radio voice and 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 the awesome oh, art. But see. and and I knew I've known you for a while. It, it's really hard for me to, to to listen to that music. I can't stand it. So <laughs> it's just like, come on. I need some music. Well, there's no pleasing
0: everybody because right. A lot of people come into the stream and they're like, oh, I fucking love this music. The thing though is that like, if you do become a regular in a stream and that's all that they're playing, then probably you're going to get sick of listening to it. It's- right. Yeah, and um, and
2: and that's about. I I don't know if I if I'm answering questions you're gonna ask. So, but we've touched on it. There's no one right way to do it. So stream. Uh, uh do you want me to, to to go into my my spiel for for streamers, <laughs> or do you want to get to that later? Go ahead. So I would say the first thing I I've I've had a lot of friends or or Twitch viewers or whatever that that began streaming and sometimes it was because i was i had a hand in pushing them to to do it and helping them set up i i like paying it forward because there are a couple of people that help me like that i mentioned so i like helping others and the first thing i will tell people is that i'm not a streamer uh there are there are i i, I get i get a cringy sort of feeling when i hear somebody else says i'm a streamer and i stream this and and it's it's just my my thing it's not because they're doing anything wrong Uh, when people say i'm a variety streamer and i don't i don't i'm not i'm not a streamer i'm just a craftsman or an artist who decided to turn on the camera so that i don't get bored while i work really that's my attitude about it so i'm not putting on a show i'm not there to entertain people and that's what i what i want to get out of it is exactly what i just said just some distraction some or a a baseline of energy that feeds my creativity nothing else if i get anything else out of it that's great subs donations whatever that's fantastic but really the most important thing that i get out of it is that energy and i think that is the core of what makes me not burn out to go back to burnout because i'm not a streamer i don't feel obligated to to put on a certain level of content or 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 entertainment or engagement, et cetera, et cetera. Nor do I feel like I have to make a living off of streaming, it, which is why I'll probably never actually make partner because you have to have a certain amount of engagement and energy and a certain style. There are many ways of achieving that, but you have to reach that point, right? And in order to reach that point, you really have to put a whole lot more into it. And I just don't want to. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here f- to do my art and have and hang out with, with cool people. That's it. So if you're going to go stream, if you're considering streaming, really be honest with yourself and think about what is it you want to get out of it. If there, is no, there is no one right way to do it <clears throat> because spend a day surfing Twitch and you'll see a million different styles of streaming. Even just within creative, and even within that, pick, pick your niche of what you do creatively, and you will find you, you watch a dozen different streams. You, it'll be a dozen different ways of, of streaming, painting or sculpting or whatever. So, <laughs> you are a vibe, Brittany. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, just think honestly what is it you want to get out of it? If you want to make a living from streaming, like a full living off of streaming. A livable income that's a completely different ball game than i just want to hang out with people or promote my art a little bit right those are completely different things so be honest with yourself and that can change over time there's nothing that says that 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 your attitude can't change over time when you all of a sudden get over a lot of people are just initially even afraid to be on camera right um and you don't have to be on camera does it help to be on camera to have a face cam as people call it yes it does me, personally, and a lot of other people that I've asked feel um, less engaged with a stream where they can't see the streamers, so they leave shortly after getting there. But there are plenty of streamers or even partners who never show their, themselves on camera, creative streamers. So it's possible. Uh, But think about what you want. Think about what you want to get out of it, what you're willing to do. And then maybe once you, maybe at first, like I said, being on camera is your biggest challenge. And then you get used to it if you decided to do it anyway, you get over that. And then your goals change. You're like, hey, man, I really think I could do this. Go for it. Do whatever, Mm -hmm. do whatever. But uh, as long as you keep focus on what it is you want to get out of it. Uh, For me, the burnout, I think, doesn't happen because I really do enjoy making stuff. Uh, I have to keep my hands busy. I can't even watch TV anymore without doing something else with my hands, right? And unfortunately, a lot of times that that comes down to scrolling through Facebook on my phone <laughs> because uh-huh. it's something to do. It's something to do with my hands. It's something else to distract my brain too. So, but um, I stream because I want to keep being creative, and that it's just this feedback loop for me. So I don't get burned out. As long as I'm making stuff, I'm not getting burned out.
3: Do you ever have a pressure that uh, you're being broadcast live and at any time you can say or do something really stupid that you didn't intend to do, and then that gets uh, put onto live stream and fail, and you get canceled, <laughs> and no one ever invites you to any more shows ever again, and your career is over?
2: Does that ever yes. loom over you? Uh, loom, no, but it's something to think about. Uh, right. If you were born anywhere in the late seventies or eighties, you should not be stupid. And you should realize that anything on the internet is on the internet forever. Right. And don't do anything on the internet that you wouldn't do in front of your mom. Luckily, I have a pretty open-minded mom that I don't mind trolling. So I will do a lot <laughs> in front of my mom. Yeah.
0: A lot but, of that comes down to what kind of mom you have. Right.
2: <laughs> right. But don't, you know, you, you understand the rules of Twitch or whatever platform you're streaming on, understand what will get you in trouble, and um, and just don't do it. You know, I, I definitely toe the line sometimes with things. I'd, I don't have rules on my stream other than don't be a dick. That is the only rule I have on my stream. I don't have the no politics, no religion, no, no, we'll talk about anything that people want to talk. And if they get me on a rant, I'll go, I'll go on a rant. Um, everyone has a right to say to say their opinion, just don't be a dick um so have i thought yeah there there are certain times that i've caught myself about to say something i'm like no i probably shouldn't i probably shouldn't say this right and and that's that's a monumental historic moment for me to actually have a filter that that stops me from saying something so i'm learning
0: yeah i'm very off off the uh after the podcast is over you'll have to tell me what some of those have been because now i'm I'm curious I, I, what stopped I you in I, your I tracks. Honestly,
2: can't remember specifics. I can't remember specifics, but it's probably some either either some really crass joke that might be taken the wrong way, or it's some political opinion that I decide to just not get into, right? Uh, because it doesn't take much for someone to 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 just report
1: you or whatever for 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 yeah. bullshit, right? And, and you, I'm you. So, but but normally I don't
2: filter stuff. Uh, it's just when I feel that when I feel that tingling in the back of my neck that eh, you shouldn't. So I I try not to. <laughs> um, so I can't say that's been looming of, over me. Certainly in 2020, I think because streaming has become more important as far as just my. Uh, I'm not making any necessarily any more income from streaming in 2020 but I do it more and it's literally the only outlet I have really for for social life and um and really the biggest marketing thing maybe that I have uh that I don't have to put a lot of energy into anyway. So um I can tell moose just getting angry inside. Uh <laughs> No, I mean, it's, I don't it's, have that's to just a in perpetual internet. state. I turn on the camera. I don't have to post on Instagram all day every day or Reddit. I don't have to wake up early to post on on Reddit. You know, so streaming is easy. Um, so in 2020, maybe I'm a little bit more careful, just because it's like with the DMCA stuff, right? Because I don't want that taken away from me. I don't want to get banned off Twitch or whatever. But I I pushed the, the the envelope a few times for sure. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you, you did talk a little earlier about, um, you know, making a living. You're not making a living from Twitch and you just mentioned you haven't seen any like increase in, in income or something. And we, we talked a little bit about or you talked a little bit about making partner and that's not an, a, an objective of yours. I think it's worth noting, too, that making a living from Twitch as an artist is very hard. Um, oh, God. It's it's, it's uh, argu arguably it's hard to do even if you're in one of the more like kind of like mainstream veins of Twitch, which is you know, mostly all you know the gaming, uh, all of the gaming channels. Even there, it's become so saturated; it can be harder and harder to start. Yeah. You know, raising it's to a the lot top. of competition. And yeah, and for artists, it's for a number of reasons we won't get into. It's super hard, and even if you do make partner. There's some perks to it, but that's not like a meal ticket. You know, like you're not gonna be getting getting big checks in the when mail. When you
2: look at the math, you do not make the the gap between what's available monetizing the, the option for monetizing your stream that are available to affiliate and to a partner, that, that gap has closed almost entirely. You you even yeah. get ad revenue now as an affiliate, which is just pennies a year or something like that it's ridiculous but but it's yeah. it's there so it's it's not a factor of whether you're an affiliate or a partner anymore it's a factor of how many people are watching your stream right? i know affiliates that that have way more than than the requirements for partner but which won't make them partner but they're still making you know that that money because those options are are, are the same so yeah is it's, a- be,
0: it's become very strange and um sorry Musa to cut you off I just want to finish that thought that the um as as a money making or like an income stream you've we we're talking about sort of the type of person you are and personal style and so just like to get it out of the way and to state it clearly like that's something that you've like really got to want and you've got to be like really good at it and you've got to have the type of personality that's going to want to go after that because Fucking good luck, and that's not to <laughs> crush your dreams or shit on it in any way. It's just like, man i I don't have that and constitution. I and en- I envy the type of people that do.
2: And to come full circle, you know what happens when you try to go after it and you don't have what it takes to go after it, the right personality, the right you know drive to do it. You get burned out,
0: right? That's where burnout you,
2: happens. Yeah, that's when burnout happens. So. I'm not going after it. I'm going after exactly what I want to get out of it, which is just fun. I I absolutely, I am, I, I mean, I've been moved to tears on Twitch by people's donations, you know, and, and it blows me away that that I have, you know, right in front of me on my desk, I actually burn every subscriber's name, almost every subscriber's name into my table. And it's right in front of me, right, when I work. And to see that there are people who have been following me for, the entire time I've been an affiliate, you know, about three years or more, right? So it blows me away. I don't know. I don't understand why. (laughs) I still, I still, there's part of me that says, why? Like, why do you do this to yourself? But thank you. And I really, (laughs) really, really really appreciate it. Uh, And there are months, especially this year, where where that little, that little deposit from Twitch, uh, and if we want to get into numbers, I don't mind doing it. Uh, That information is generally available online anyway. it's it's it helps it definitely helps like knowing that yeah rent's gonna be paid this month or at least at least partially partially from twitch and that's and that's great you know so
1: yeah
0: that we've talked before on other episodes about patreon and like and the dollar tier and how sometimes people sort of underestimate the power of the dollar tier you know or like Some people will say things like, well, you know, I don't want to just like a dollar doesn't seem like very much. I don't want to just give a dollar, but I can't afford the higher tiers or whatever. But man, it's, it cannot be overstated the value that the dollar tier has. And, you know, and a subscription on Twitch is, you know, it's, it's five bucks. And of that, an affiliate gets like $2, I think, or like 250 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's not on the one hand, it's not very much. But on the other hand, aside from the dollar amount, it's it sends such a powerful mes- message to the person making the art and making the stream that you're willing to take that extra effort, you know, that you're going to buy one less cup of coffee because you enjoy the the art that they're making. That's a huge deal, especially when you think about how great coffee is. But um that's going to be a whole other that's going to be a whole other episode. I think the the concept of income would be a good place to transition to the um the other thing that we wanted to talk to you about which is conventions because that has been such a huge part of your business model. Um and you you know you were saying before you've been I mean, you've been going to conventions just about as long as you've been making the maps or or close to like 6 years, right?
2: uh 6 um, years and I've been making maps for 8 years yeah or doing doing my art 8 years for oh, eight so years.
0: yeah yeah so clo- clo- close close to ish um yeah. and and now the convention circuit is indefinitely yeah. on hold we don't really know when it's coming back so right. how have you compensated for that how have you um, stepped into
2: yeah. I haven't not not in a not in any sustainable way yet Uh, so I initially applied, I mean, I could, any, anyone with half a brain could see what was coming. And unfortunately we had to wait for, um, it was, it was a scary chicken game. Anyone who is considering going to conventions, uh, starting to do conventions. If you're creative, that is thinking of selling your stuff at conventions, I am the one you should talk to if you want to get the bad stuff. Most, (laughs) most people, or most. Uh, podcasts or whatever that are out there to teach you about conventions and talk about them. Mostly just talk about the good things. And I will straight up tell you the bad things. And one of the things to realize is when you're doing conventions, even remotely approaching what you'd consider full-time, to make to make a large enough income to live on in a year, that means let's say one or two conventions a month. And that translates to roughly ten dollars to $20,000 in credit card debt, unless you have that capital to start with, right? It translates to 10 to $20,000 in credit card debt a year in advance because you have to sign up for those conventions a year in advance to get your spot, et cetera, et cetera. And so booth fees and hotel fees and you know, all of that stuff, it's a lot of debt, right? And so that debt was already in place uh, at the end of 2019, right? and you're always hoping that you know winter is a slow season where you kind of have to you're hoping that the 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 holiday season is going to sort of give you some of that not only enough to 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 live right but also pay down some of those credit cards until conventions start again in the spring and then they started or at least they started, started you know started revving up and then it never actually the engine never turned over right because of covid i had two conventions this year. It was in January in New Orleans and then another one in February um, in Chattanooga. And that's it. Then conventions started getting cancelled in March and April and we unfortunately had to wait. Uh, the nightmare was having to wait, knowing that they're going to get cancelled. Right, that The chances are 99% they're going to get cancelled. But convention promoters not cancelling because they would lose out on their contract. Right, they would they would owe tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to the convention venue, the the convention center or hotel or wherever that's it's happening. And the venue doesn't want to cancel because then they would owe the convention the money. So it was this it was this absolutely horrendous, nasty chicken game that bigger, wealthier people were playing with our money, with vendors' money. Um and And I saw a lot of online you know attendees that go to conventions and and they had their tickets and and it's fair Somebody's somebody's eighty dollars could be just as valuable to them as my thousand dollars that I worked or two thousand dollars or three thousand dollars that I put on a credit card in advance to pay for a booth um, but it was like yeah you 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 guys have fifty dollars of a ticket on the line. We have thousands, and conventions were not letting us know until some of them until a week before, right? And you're kind of living in fear. This we were living in fear this year, and I say we because collectively I talk to a lot of my convention artists. Because what if, especially a big convention that charges a thousand to two to three thousand dollars for a booth? What if they decide not to cancel and not to offer refunds or a rollover, right? Then your money is held hostage. You can either, you know, kind of play the Russian roulette of going to a convention during a pandemic and maybe getting sick and probably not making your money back because people are scared so not as many of people are going to come out to the convention they're not going to spend as much money etc cetera, etc cetera. and you might get sick on top of it right uh, because you and, and you might maybe break even maybe or just not going and forfeiting not only your your money but also any chance of ever going to that convention again because there's an unspoken rule sort of with many of those conventions that if, you're cance- if you cancel the last minute or if you just don't show up, you're blacklisted and you'll never be allowed in So no matter what their actual policy on paper might say. <laughs> so it was, it was a very stressful uh, spring and summer. Uh, I initially applied for a, the, pay- the, the payroll protection plan loans. Which were the forgivable kind, and I got uh, enough for like a couple of months of living, you know, uh, from that, and that was that was great. I mean, sure. Uh, Which, by the way, those are still nobody yet knows how those will be forgiven. Just just people are curious. Um, I I, I have a loan. These aren't
0: these are not the droids you're looking for.
1: (laughs) There were a lot of people that.
2: Doctor the the process is try. finalized, the regulations are not yet in place. My bank, even though I was supposed to start paying the loan back in Dece- uh, actually November, October 30th is when I was supposed to start paying, my bank literally does not have a way for me to pay it back. They, they literally told me, sorry, the regulations are not in place. We are still waiting to hear how, how you can repay or how you can uh, uh, you know, ask for, for, apply for forgiveness of the loan. So it's, yeah, it's terrible and it it's stressful because your contract over the loan still says, um, you know, October 30th, but the bank is telling you, no, it's okay. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> so yeah. go ahead. It's
3: a really weird system. Uh, so at the start of, they were saying, if you use this money for paying your employees, and in this mm-hmm. case, you, you are yourself an employee, they right. didn't even message that very clearly at first, because there were people out there saying, I don't have employees, so I can't apply for this. And that was a some misinformation that was out there from the right, from the get go, and it took a while for it to filter down that people could they had lawyers look into it to figure out is it applicable to self employed
1: right. people.
2: And I imagine, yeah, I imagine that would depend on what what you're classified as, et cetera, whether you can classify yourself as an employee or not. Uh, so I, I don't know, I'm not. That's why I have a account an accountant that I will pay money for to tell me yes you can do this, no you can't do this. Uh, after that, you know, very soon I knew I, I could realize, okay, this is going to stretch way more than the two or three months that everyone was thinking it's going to stretch. Uh, it's going to be all year and probably into next year. And then the actual, um, SBA loan, small business administration loan. Uh, what is it? Um, disaster something loans they were being offered, which was a much, much bigger loan and it wasn't forgivable. It's an actual loan and I hate loans. And I looked at it. Mm-hmm and And looked at the math, and I really had a hard time with it, but the math actually worked. it was a really good loan at really good terms you know i can i it'll help me survive a year if I'm really frugal uh pay off some of those credit cards so I don't start eating those up uh you know eating the 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 interest and and at uh, a thirty year loan, I'll be paying it off at a hundred bucks a month for the next thirty years, right. If hmm. if I have to, right? That's not terrible because, and I'm, the way I'm looking at it, I'm surviving a pandemic. This is not just a blip on the radar. It's not a bad week. It's not a bad weekend at a convention that I have to survive. This is a right. worldwide war is how I look at it. And I'm doing what I need to, to survive a war. I will use all the credit cards I've got. I will open new ones. I will do whatever I need to not have to go out and potentially get sick, right? Because that's a lottery I'd rather not. Money is just money. Uh, the lottery, uh, mm-hmm. playing the lottery with my health when I don't have to, uh, is not something I'm willing to do.
0: Yeah. So. Or make other people sick too. Exactly. Um, exactly. I wanted. I want to uh, come back to the the loans thing mm-hmm. very much. So, but there was a, a question uh, in chat um, that I wanted to embellish on just a little bit. Um, Harley asked. Uh, they these conventions didn't have any pandemic or acts of God clauses in their in their contracts, obviously. Um, but what? So then, it, what was their what 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 it, what sort of justification were they the giving convention. you for not, not refunding?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know what their what their contracts have. But even if they have that that act of God clause in their contract, they have to wait until the state takes it out of their hands and the state declares, "Sorry, you can't do a thing," and that. I guess that's act of God. Why? Because we are in the you know 21st century and lawyers rule the world and we can't just sit down and come to an agreement that the right thing to do is to tear up this contract and wait till next year. Why can't people do the right thing? I don't know. But that's the excuses they gave us for not fund- re- refunding. We have to understand that conventions, uh, I would say 90% of the conventions that got canceled for me, and it wasn't like I, I have much. I usually do between 10 and 15 conventions a year. So I would say the vast majority of them did not offer refunds at all. They offered at best a rollover to, to next year, to 2021. So, um, and now that conventions in 2021 are starting to get canceled, we are seeing conventions telling us, Hey, if you, you know, your bo- don't worry about it. Your booth is going to get rolled over to 2022 and there's nothing else you can do. You won't get a refund because a lot of times that money is already spent they they spend right. that money yeah, they, they paying, can't bring it up money. from anywhere right they they don't have it mm. anymore uh and they're in debt too
0: probably like
2: right uh i don't have a lot of sympathy for them but yes they're in debt as well <laughs> fair enough, fair um, enough. <laughs> i'm allowed not to feel sorry for them when they play you know when they play with my money so yeah uh there are conventions. It's a judge judge it case by case. There were conventions like Garycon, which is a lovely small convention in Wisconsin. It's a it's a D and D convention that I would go to even if I wasn't a vendor, and I you know and they offered a refund or they offer you know they they gave us all the options. You want a refund? Take a refund. You want you want to roll over? Roll over. And I am like, roll it over. I don't care. There is another convention uh, that got canceled fairly early in at the end of February, and. It was a first-time convention for me. It was a small one. It only cost me 200 bucks. I'm like, you know what? Give me the $200 back. <laughs> I could uh-huh. use it.
1: Right?
2: You know? So it just depends right. on, on what it is. I didn't know them. I wasn't feeling obligated to support them, but other conventions I did. So, and then most of them did not give us the option. They just rolled it over. So as far as the excuses they give us for not giving us a refund, no excuse. They they will mostly point to their to their policies that say no refunds, you know, and a lot of conventions have so
0: them. so no excuse. But then, of all of the conventions that you did have to cancel, have all of them given the option of of rollover at at some yes. whenever they're able yeah, to open for now
2: okay. so far yes, now, from twenty twenty well, to twenty twenty two to twenty twenty one yes, okay, they've offered okay. the rollover. We'll see what happens. So now the question,
0: like oh actually the question i was just going to ask you actually just already answered um let's come back to let's come back to loans um if we can um unless moose you had any follow-up about conventions again
3: no we can uh, hit it back at the end
0: how did you start finding out about the loans like because that was a kind of a big Um, mystery and yeah lots of, lots of people weren't even like aware of like one, they exist. Two, where do I look? What are the ones that are available? Like, how did you start digging up that information?
2: Um, friends in Facebook groups. I would say the first individual that comes to mind is right down there, Moose, uh, who, <laughs> who, had, who, who has a lot of artist friends and he was like, holy shit. And he probably did some research on his own and, and, and found out and shared it. And I am eternally grateful for that. I think it was literally Moose's link. That he sent me on Discord in a PM that that I eventually looked into because because like many creative people I'm, I'm, I'm I see forms and I, and my eyes glaze over <laughs> and I and I, I want to just Aim blow my that. brain up. right but mm-hmm. I eventually I looked into it uh, fairly soon I, I would say because uh, time was of the essence there and, and 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 I could see what was coming so uh, it was moose. It was other friends. It was uh, being part of Facebook vendor groups and artist groups that uh, people were starting to post things about and post links and who got this loan, who got, did not get that loan, and questions and answers, which most of them, you couldn't even count on the answers being accurate. But it really was just kind of a coincidence. If I was left to my own devices, if I was not on social media, if I was not streaming, etc., cetera, I probably would have just kind of stayed in my hole and died <laughs> you know, slowly of starvation because I would not have known about those things. So thank you. So, most. I am, I'm eternally grateful for that.
3: Was that one specifically the one that had the $1,000 stimulus plus the, yes. uh, long-term loan
2: with very yep. low rates. That's exactly the loan that I got. That's helping me survive this year. Is Absolutely. that one still available
3: or is the stimulus from that one already gone?
2: I don't know. I think the stimulus specifically, the $1,000 check specifically was maybe limited time, but I'm not sure. Um, as far as the actual loan and the loan itself again was worth it hell for all we knew what what my one friend said look take the loan because as a loan itself even in a normal year it's a great it's those are great terms but there may not be a bank to to pay back to there may not be a government to pay back to in a year so (laughs) (laughs) you know what that's a great that's a great point so take the loan um normally my advice to people would be don't borrow money that you can't pay back but Uh, that was actually like i needed to survive i literally needed it to survive and many other artists did too so um yeah it it was literally friends like you moose and other artists that i that i heard about things and eventually i had to just push myself to go and face the fear of a form a government form that i have to fill up (laughs) and and give all the information and that's one thing that in hindsight i really am actually um grateful to myself for because I had made the decision a couple of years ago to start doing uh, everything above board, right? Everything is on the books, right? As close to it as I can get. Right. When you start out, especially being creative and going to conventions, you're like, you know, everything is cash and, you know, when you sell stuff, PayPal, it's like, uh, can you send it friends and family? And you you know uh-huh. And and you don't you may, let's not, you know, state things as fact, you may not report everything to the IRS and you may you know, things like that. And that I don't know what you're talking about. Right, exactly. But and that may be great in the short term, but then shit happens like a pandemic, and all of a sudden ninety percent of your income being conventions is cancelled and you have to apply for a loan. And if you didn't pay your dues beforehand for a while, so at least a year, so you have something to show for it, you, you shit out of luck. And I really am grateful to myself that I made that decision that I need to be a big boy and actually pay all the sales tax and all the, all the, you know, income tax and all of that and and file all the correct things so that I can show, Hey, this is what I, this is, this is what I make in a year. And this is what I expect not to make (laughs) in this year. And I need help. And that, I could see artists who are in the same exact boat as I am, right? They, they artists making a living, mostly off conventions, et cetera, et cetera, except the only difference is that they did not make that shift to make everything official. And they did not get approved for loans because unfortunately banks are the way they are. And when you show them that you only make $10,000 a year, they're like, Nope. You know, or if they get they approve right. you for the loan, you'll get a loan of, of, thousand dollars you know something that will keep you going for maybe a couple of weeks or a month but not what you really need so
0: one well, and, the, and there's an yeah. there's an there's another valuable business insight in that as well yeah i mean aside from planning for a pandemic you know or, or world changing right. event because because you could even still say well i'll just roll the dice and hope that that doesn't happen ag- again <laughs> or whatever but if if you're running a business as an independent artist, keeping track of your numbers is vitally important, you know? And it, it's, if you're keeping track enough of your numbers to know what you're, like, may or may not going to pay in taxes, then just make it happen, you know, because, like, all of the reasons that you're saying. But usually the people that aren't paying enough attention or keeping enough track of the numbers to you know bother worrying about their taxes accurately might be surprised at where they're losing money because they're just not keeping track in in the in the way that they should or could better anyway right. that's more of an and aside also, but,
1: with,
2: uh, aside from just a crisis that like a pandemic or anything else maybe your health or maybe i don't know your studio burnt down, or whatever. There's, there could be just, hey, I really want to push to grow, and I need more money to sign up for bigger conventions, or to hire a full-time social social media guy, or whatever. If you don't yeah. have the numbers to show, you won't be able to grow as fast as you could, as if you know if you took a loan. So, I actually used yeah. uh, it's it's I, it's it's relevant. I actually used a a sizable chunk of the loan that I got to hire a, a marketing person that took a look at my website, and some of it was simple stuff that I just did not have the know-how, the energy, or the time to do, right? It, like creating a mailing list and updating the website and doing doing some nuts and bolts stuff. And some of it is posting to various things and and prompting me to do certain things. So I actually used some of that money to benefit my business, to a help me survive, but also in the long term.
1: Unfortunately, um, coming uh, back. Oh no! Sorry.
0: Go ahead, Moose.
3: Unfortunately, uh, not everyone um, at the start of the pandemic anticipated having such a negative impact. So, not everybody I know uh, had such a large amount of income tied up with conventions. Most of them, a lot of people had uh, almost all of their income coming from commissions, and at first, it looked like the um, commission income was remaining pretty consistent even after the start of it but now eight to nine to ten months into the pandemic they're starting to see that they're having much fewer commissions so it stands to reason that if this thing keeps going on and they release another um stimulus let's hope knock on wood or glasses i may the case may be um that artists will take advantage of it this time even if it isn't looking especially grim at this moment because it could look grim later.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean we don't know how long this is going to last. I I fully expect this to last at least until mid 2021 if not farther as far as conventions not running. Uh, there are small conventions still running. There there are and it's entirely irresponsible <laughs> in my opinion. Right? Uh, so there are conventions, especially in states like like Florida, that are still happening. Uh, there are small conventions. You know, there's farmers markets. There's I know I know vendors um, who are selling at malls. They have like you know those, those stalls at malls now. I still would consider it a lottery. to die. it's a, a irresponsible. B, it's a lottery. I'm not willing to play with my own health. So, but it, you know, it might come down to me having to go get a job somewhere. And then then, then then, which lottery do I want to play, right? But you do what you have to do, I guess. And, and you know, Joby knows it, and you know it, Moose. So we've all done what we have to do this year. Starting with the fans.
1: But- um, <laughs> here we go. Starting now. Um,
0: so uh, Moose, this was uh, something that I think you've probably gotten a bit more feedback on um, that, than I have in uh, cave maybe you've heard a lot of the same too that a lot of artists were were hesitant to uh reach out for loans um they were having mm-hmm. some various hang-ups about it yeah. How, do you have thoughts on uh why that would be and you know like what you advice you might have to say uh to people in that position
2: me uh, get over it <laughs> <laughs> realize, realize that that uh, it, it falls back. I mean, like I said, I I I hate loans just as a person. Uh, maybe it's the way I was brought up. I hate. I see forms and 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 I get a headache. Right. Uh, there's a reason why uh, creative people, for the most part, choose to bury their their faces in in a in a sheet of of paper with some paint or a lump of clay or whatever. Right. And not everyone is like that, but a lot of us are. But uh but also get over it because you have to realize that that I think it's the same shift as when you decide to go pro with your art, right? When it's no longer a hobby and you really want to make a living to whatever to whatever measure. But, you know, when you start selling your art, it's a big shift when you start taking it more seriously. And you realize that Okay, you know, I have to take myself seriously and this is literally a survival situation. Maybe maybe my knowledge, my experience with actual physical primitive survival helped get some perspective on it. Like money is a survival resource that allows me to have shelter, water, fire, food, right? My my survival priorities. I need money to survive this year. I hate having a 9 to 5 job. I'm terrified of it. <laughs> um and so i have to do what i have to do and that means swallowing my pride and and taking a loan and and going fill up forms and you know so when i fill up forms i I still get the headache looking at it so i do a little bit every day right i might print it out and i'll fill up just a section a day so i can deal with it mentally emotionally whatever your challenges are of dealing with that amount of, of weird words and math and all that, I'll just split it into smaller tasks, just one bite at a time. So I'll do the first page or the first section of the first page one day and then the next day and the next day and just till I finally get it all done and then eventually I'll submit it all at once. you know. But um, take it in pieces. I do that with taxes. One day I'll pull up you know, one, for, one, one stream revenue, uh, income revenue. The next day I'll pull up this the data from another. The next day I'll pull up the just so it's not overwhelming. So if there's any advice, I'll say get over it and then cut it to to chunks. Do what you need to do to survive and then cut it to chunks that you can manage.
1: Obviously, do what you need to do to survive without doing anything illegal, please. (laughs) Especially because
3: the uh, IRS recently said they're more likely to target uh, people with small incomes than with large incomes because it's easier for them to do that.
0: Did they? That's brutal. When the when the when the yeah. government just comes right out and and says we're you know we're tired of pretending we're just gonna start screwing <laughs> the little guy out outrightly no problem. Do you hey, know? Uh, is watching either... this. I don't know these guys. <laughs> the views expressed here it. are not entirely my own. They were uh, <laughs> anyway. The, the um the idea of loans and and more assistance are. You aware of any other opportunities um, or things that you might look into in the future, or is it all kind of just we're waiting to see what happens?
2: Um, it's kind of a mix, you know. Um, because it's it's hard to tell if if things don't uh, don't come back to normal. So what um, what I, I expect it'll come back to normal. Sort of in and the opposite order in which it was it went abnormal, right, so like Moose said, event commissions people's private money, their private commissions when uh, those kept going for a while, and now they're starting to drop, right, and I expect those will come back before conventions will come back, because conventions will be the last thing to come back full swing because it's events with tens of thousands of people, so those will be the last things to come back um so it's kind of a a thing where you have to wait and see what will happen if as an artist you don't have commissions and you don't have public outlets for it like like to sell prints like conventions well then you're done right you're just not going to be an artist anymore for a living as a professional so we all have to face that potential reality that maybe this doesn't come back and art has you know maybe we have a dark ages of art for a couple of years where people just don't have the money to spend on luxuries because it's purely a luxury the bullshit we all make i have a friend she's a great artist she's on she's on um on twitch i'm not going to say her name though she always considers it trash she's like we make garbage we make we make pretty pictures on pieces of paper and we sell them and that's a luxury right and during a time of crisis only rich people have money for luxuries, and even then, they're most rich people are rich because they know when and when not to spend their money. So, commissions dry up, right? So, we may have to look at doing other things, and it's scary, it's it's fucking terrifying. Um, I kind yeah, of, I mean, into, if, if we, yeah, I kind of look into 3D ahead. design, <laughs> I, I kind of looked into learning 3D design, and I still want to do that. Um, you know, so it's still in the back of my mind. And you know, just
1: make other plans because you may have to use them. What I about, feel um, like there's. Uh,
0: I have to comment. I think that there's been like a, a delay. The the whole like stream. There's been a bit of a delay on like when you guys start talking, and when I start hearing the uh, the audio come through. So throughout this i feel like i've been talking over people a lot and i'm sorry that's not uh hasn't been intentional Got some yeah kind i think of it was part delay. of the
3: uh the setting stuff we changed before the start of the stream because it wasn't huh. that way before huh. the stream when we first started
1: huh all right
3: but anyway um anyway. the uh question i was going to ask was um one other ways that you can manage this is by increasing the amount of money that you have available through loans and stuff like that but another thing you can do is uh reducing the amount that you spend has mm-hmm. there been anything that you've been doing to you know trim the fat to, so you can survive this year
2: uh well as as a freelance artist the fat was really i didn't have much fat to begin with <laughs> so uh, but yeah i mean i'm definitely i'm definitely going going out less which perhaps is more of a factor of i There's there's a virus out there, so you know um, I buy I buy if I if I can I'll buy some things in bulk so it's a little cheaper. Um, There's there are a lot of things certainly more this year than 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 before. Some luxury items where I'm thinking, okay, do I want a better version of this thing that I have? Whether it's you know a, a monitor or whatever a keyboard, whatever equipment, right? And I, I do want it, but I don't need it, right? The 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 money that, that that would cost me is better served right now by paying rent and buying food, or at least keeping it in the bank for now. So <laughs> reading chat. Um, yeah. Yeah, clearly, we clearly stopped buying razors. All of us are, are fuzzy so yeah uh, you save you save where you can but it's not like we're we're i'm not i'm not eating ramen the entire year just to save up
1: well it's
0: it's worth noting um just from you know kind of like reading through chat i can hear farley's gears turning from here she's coming up with ideas some of us are more business-minded than others and so we're, we're all looking at you Farley to save our ass here or people like you. I think that there's like an opportunity for, you know, the more entrepreneurial minded among us to step in and figure out some, some, that's, that's the, the diehard optimist in me wants to think that, you know, in, in crisis, there are people that like step up and have great ideas and you know come up with new things and Mm -hmm. and and the 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 proof of the network that all of us are in um you know in this and the support and the encouragement and the community that we all feel as part of that is is proof to me that there is there (laughs) there is hope i just don't you know this we can get like very doom and gloom and it's and it's important to weigh in on the negative aspects and the negative fallout but i think too you know like if we're inclined to just start thinking that it's all just going to shit and we're all gonna end up in the worst case possible, um, keep yourself part of a community. Get into a community if you're not part of one already. Start finding and making those connections because that's what really that's what really saves us. And the more that you're talking to 100%. other people about these. These things and and bouncing ideas off of each other and trying to figure out new ways of, uh, of figuring things out. Uh, at the very least, you run into people like Moose, who is like, "Hey, here's where you can get some money," <laughs> and that but, in itself, yeah. fucking makes the whole the whole thing the whole thing worth it. Um, the
2: point, so, the point of yeah, online conventions was mentioned uh, in chat, and uh, I have only tried. A handful of them this year most of them were really small gaming conventions that i was going to be at and all that for the mo- and and for the most part from w- looking at what other artists or vendors in general not just artists but but convention vendors in general who have done online cons uh the majority the the, the consensus seems to be that it's really not at least currently not a place where you're going to make money you make some you, may, you might have a few sales the problem with those is, a it's, it's kind of uncharted territory. Um, those those websites that offer those those platforms and the promoters themselves of the conventions are learning as they go. Uh, when DragonCon mm-hmm. online was virtual, DragonCon was happening. Eventony, which was the website that was hosting the convention, which was basically just a, a you know an an e-commerce platform, right? they literally like had to build the the night before the convention like their 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 web design guy was working overnights because people i know who are vendors were telling them we need these features added <laughs> right which were features that you would that any e-commerce website has and those companies were just didn't think of right um so it's ridiculous but they were adding those things last minute and there were bugs and all that so 2020 is kind of the holy shit what are we doing and maybe those things will improve in 2021 then the problems become the problem becomes that some of the conventions even this year some of the really big ones like New York Comic Con or um which one is it in there was Luca and there was Essen in Germany it's a big gaming conver- convention they were already charging hundreds of dollars for virtual booths uh for vendors which is Insane, right, and you have to decide do i want do I want to be a guinea pig for that right um, so it's tough uh, online online conventions as long as so far at least as long as they're free or a really nominal fee uh Dragoncon didn't charge us anything as vendors to be a vendor at virtual Dragon con, but the platform itself charged us a percentage i think it was a five percent uh fee on top of what you'd pay you know paypal or whatever fee right to to credit card fees etc um but it was better than nothing right so you might make a few sales and all that but online conventions don't seem to be the answer as well at least not for the time being not until we figure things out and the public's the public's perception of it changes i think in my opinion when it comes down to it there's still just a just a an online marketplace, there's no, the the people go to conventions because they want to hang out with their buddies. They don't go to conventions to shop. The shopping is kind of a secondary thing. So, um, without that element of it, people are less likely to go shop around an online marketplace. Uh, you might be able to have, there was one convention that, that had a, they actually hired me. <laughs> so that was a commission this year to make them a digital fantasy map of their vendor hall. And that was really an interesting project. What they were going to do is basically place the tents of vendors and all that, and they wanted, initially they wanted logos on every tent and things like that. And they wanted to make it almost like a Google Maps thing where you could zoom in and out. Um, and, you know, and there was some discussion, not with me doing it, but there was just some hypothetical discussion about a virtual reality sort of convention hall. But it's honestly, that's a gimmick that will work maybe once, right? There's a reason why websites still haven't changed much. It's, websites are still in the format of a list of text on a page since the internet let was me, born. Hell, because, um,
0: let me jump in, sorry, and interrupt you. Keep talking, keep talking. Moose, mm-hmm. have a follow-up question. I have to go to the bathroom, so I'm going to mic <laughs> off and video off for, for one second. It's, we're making
2: history. All right. So, yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a, a, there's a reason why the internet is built the way it is, because it's still the most convenient way to deliver information to people. Just icons and text in a list. It's just the most condensed, effective way of doing it. So I don't think, until, until virtual reality and the matrix are a big thing and a common thing, I don't think we're going to see virtual conventions becoming something that, that we can really do well at, or not even close to as well as we do in person.
3: So have you tried to do anything to get people to come to your store so they can buy stuff during the pandemic if the booths
2: themselves online aren't functioning that way? Uh, the normal stuff, the normal marketing, social media, maybe ramped up a little bit in some ways. In other ways, it's kind of gone down because I have less to do, you know, fewer commissions, fewer events. So there's fewer reasons to post stuff. Uh, and I don't, I don't like reposting old things so but that's just my own personal hurdle that i need to just get over so um like i said i hired somebody to do some website work and some basic marketing work for me uh including in places like reddit where i have not really re you know breached uh or roamed into before uh st- streaming a lot more right i'm streaming maybe more more hours more days not because of that it's kind of a side effect that that helps i guess um definitely a, a holiday sale um which i'll I'll plug if if I'm allowed but um <laughs> thumbs up uh all of my prints are 20% off or buy 2 get 1 free so if you don't if you want more than one just uh go to my website use the code uh b2g1 If you want to buy two, get one free or the code 2020, if you want to get 20% off Um, and commissions, et cetera, just email me and I will uh, work with you.
3: My mom loves your uh, Breath of the Wild map, by the way. Oh, thank you. I got that as a gift for her when you first made prints of those.
2: Thank you, Moose Mom. After the show,
0: don't let me forget to uh, get that information that you just shared about like all your promotional stuff. So we can include that in the show notes as well.
1: Oh, thank you. Cool. So
3: there was one thing that um, we, we talked about a little bit in chat, but not in the stream. And that was uh, David Peterson. He ran his own online con, which was more or less like uh, for him. It wasn't like a group th- effort so much as it was an effort for him to promote his own store. But he was able to reach out to his uh, buddies that he had uh, met through the years to come on and be guests of his stream that he ran for several days. And he was able to do that successfully successfully in terms of like the amount of uh, additional sales he got, but it was also a big production. It was not a small amount of effort that he put into uh, coming up with talks, uh, getting in presenters and that sort of thing. So there is a potential for uh, people to make their own conventions if they're able to, you know, garner enough interest or garnering enough interesting attractions to bring to their stream. And I, have, I know you
2: uh, know someone named, uh, I think it's Larry Elmore. So
1: you know, he's a little known, he's a, he's a, he's a new up and coming fantasy artist. He's still learning. <laughs> um,
0: well, uh, Farley had a question in, in the chat. A lot of passion projects have started during the pandemic. Have you explored any other types of things that could push you into a new area of art or collaborations?
2: Yes. Um, first of all, especially this year, again, I, I work better under pressure. And when I realize, oh, crap, you know, the writing on the wall is not just on the wall over there. It's like <laughs> I'm about to hit the damn wall. Then, then I start working really, really fast and really hard. So I've been meaning to do some digital work, And I was kind of already starting to do digital maps at the end of 2019. But then 2020 happened. And I'm like, oh, crap. You know, I got to move into markets that I've not been into before. So I started doing digital maps that are made sort of the same way as my physical ones. Just I I make the handmade assets for maps. So individual mountains and trees and, and buildings and whatever. And then I photograph them. And then I edit those in Photoshop and then make digital maps out of all those assets so they're not unique in that sense that you know the same asset might show up several times within the same map or indefinitely and, and across different maps and then i started posting those as map packs or asset packs on on roll 20 and my own website so that was new for me um and i can't say that it's like hugely successful but anything is better than nothing um, and you mm-hmm. sort of, like anything else, when you start something new, you really have to build a, very, a fairly large um, portfolio of that stuff to, to
1: to even get people's attention, right? So it takes a while. Um, so we'll see what happens.
2: Uh, I have been talking more with friends about collaborating, mostly for fun, not so much for, you know, income, uh, just because I don't have commission work coming in as much as I used to. Not that it used to be a whole lot, but you know, my commissions are also slow. It could take me a month or two to to, to work on a project. So because it's just a slow process. So um now that I don't have as much, so I've been talking to Arthur Bianca about maybe maybe doing some stuff together and uh, Daria Axanova to maybe do something something together. Mostly because I think oh it would be really fun to take what this artist does and put my my unique spin on it.
1: So, I think that's pretty much all I've, I've been doing as far as that goes. is new stuff. Farley's
0: asking another interesting question. Uh, just uh, calm down, Farley. All right, I'm kidding. She asked, "Is there a way to work with other character artists for D&D related things and bundle packages together? So if someone comes in and asks for a character, asks for character work, chances are they have a game going." But for a discounted referral price, they could get their map too.
2: Uh, e- sure, there is a way. Uh, unfortunately, it it comes down to the market and what they can afford. So you know, that has been talked about, I'm sure, on this stream, on this podcast, a lot about you know what you've got. You've got groups on Facebook or whatever or subreddits where people are willing to pay only twenty dollars for a full color, fully rendered. Character um, mm-hmm. and then and and sure that's that's all they can afford uh, it's hard to judge people when that's all they can afford I can't even afford that right <laughs> I, if i could i would I would hire Joby and,
1: and a million other artists to draw stuff for me just because it's fun so um, but we can't afford to work
2: on those in those rates, so is it possible for someone to get a discount on a map because they 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 also ordered a bunch of characters from uh, Joby or Steve Sketches or Blake. Uh, Sure, I'd be happy to. Or vice versa, if somebody hires me to make a map and they want their characters drawn, I would absolutely be be happy to do that. But I think we're really dealing with the reality that people's wallets are shrinking every day Mm -hmm. less and less, and they're willing to spend less and less. So when you start talking about a bundle, no matter how much the discount is in a bundle project like that, it's still going to amount to a whole lot of money and then the the
1: the numbers
2: just literally the math of the numbers of people who have that kind of income is is dwindling fast it really goes down quickly so the number of needles if you've gone to conventions uh it's the same thing during conventions how many originals would i sell almost none right at a convention, because people go to conventions with a budget of twenty to fifty dollars to buy something. There are it's it's a it's a, a couple of needles in a haystack of tens of thousands that have the will, the ability, etc., to drop thousands of dollars on an original piece at a convention. Right? It happens, but it's extremely rare. And then you have to, you know, out of the entire vendor hall they have to find you <laughs> and, and, and like your work and want to buy it. So I think it's the same thing now when we're dealing with virtually, it's even harder for them to find you potentially, right? They're not trapped in a room where they might walk in some so, sort of orderly way and happen to see you. Now you really have to, you have to find them and it's, it's so much harder.
3: Uh, one thing you can do is uh Pinterest, put up your maps onto Pinterest and, uh, People will find them that way when they're searching for, you know, fantasy maps in general or fantasy characters, whatever your uh, mm. uh, your niche is. People will search for them, and then the way that the algorithm works is it will just look for related content. And if people click on yours, and then it'll uh, boost you up in the ratings. And if your thing is looks interesting in their in their picture, you know, that's great too. But the important thing to do is to make sure that when you do put it on Pinterest. Have it linked to um, have the source of the image that that's pinned on there be like on Reddit or your website or something, so that when they find that uh, picture on Pinterest and they click it a second time, it'll take it to the source page, which then will have your information where they can either hire you or at least
1: email you. Right. Yeah. Another I can, another thing that I, I can would second recommend that doing... I've started doing to... that. Um go ahead go
2: ahead go Joe. ahead go go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> all right so there's so just recently i saw uh, i've been on a lot of a lot more D groups on facebook and uh it's become clear how much is being shared how much stuff that would actually be paid material right copyrighted whatever paid paid publications that are being shared for free people will literally scan or take a photo of a page from a book and just post it and um noble so somebody shared somebody who you know i people i respect and all that they run they run uh, gaming conventions and all that and they're sharing stuff just for the sake of putting stuff on their pages and to to create to keep the content going and they shared a a homebrew page monster page of a cheese elemental and it was it just happened to be done it was at the bottom right of it it was a whole bunch of text and a piece of art of a cheese elemental for dungeons and dragons at the bottom of it i saw that it was Monster created by Noble Crumpet, which happens to be Ali Briggs' uh, uh, boyfriend, fiancé. I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, significant other. And, but there was no link there, right? So the photo was being shared on Tumblr and, and other places and Facebook, completely devoid of a way for anyone seeing it to find the original creator, even if they wanted to. I just happened to know who the original creator was, so I went and, and asked for for his links so that I could post underneath those those shared images, like, hey, here's the original creator. But 90% of the time, I don't know who the original creator is, and I'm honestly not inclined to start doing the, the internet sleuthing that it would take to find them. So make sure if you're posting stuff that uh, that people might want to lift and share, make sure at least it has your link so they can find not just your name because people don't care about your name, but somewhere that they can find you. Mm
0: -hmm. That's really good advice. I I don't, I don't even do that. I should be taking that advice myself. I also want to shout out. I feel like it's worth commenting cave that it's probably not a coincidence that the episode that you're on, we have the most hecklers in chat as I (laughs) fully, fully hold you responsible for this. Brittany, uh, shout out Brittany's art vibes, man, like single-handedly keeping us alive here.
1: Uh, keeping I us all from
0: her. dying in the doom and gloom.
2: To Brittany and all the other trolls.
0: <laughs> there you go. Um, I would like to bring this around and start wrapping this up on a high point. And with that, maybe we can talk a little bit about deer eyeballs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I might have some. Do you want me to go grab them? Um, deer eyeballs.
0: Do you keep them in your refrigerator? Do you have like a supply? Yeah,
2: they're in the freezer. They're in the freezer. Uh, I, have, I had a supply. I'm running low. So I should, I should back up and talk about what I do and how I do it. So the original, before one, you, the original before,
0: one. Before you do that, I want to set okay. you up. Because I think one of the first few times that I found myself in your stream, you were dissecting a deer eyeball, and I think that maybe you had like a, like a like a rerun of uh, of Highlander going in the corner too, and I was like, "Oh man, I I have to follow this channel. I have <laughs> this is <laughs> one thousand percent my jam. Yeah, so tell us about the deer eyeballs. how do they
2: how do they work? Um. So uh, it's how do they work? You just literally poke an eyeball, squeeze out the, the contents, which is kind of like egg yolk, and you mix pigments with it and you paint. That's it. Um. But what? <laughs> Luce?
0: What? Yeah. What's going on? Joby Luce likes,
2: likes li- Joby the, likes uh... balls. Just um. What's the so... What's the upset here?
1: Just yeah.
3: some flashbacks to uh, dissecting stuff in uh in uh, in biology classes. It was not fun.
1: Oh, okay.
2: So, so like I said, my background is in primitive technology, primitive skills, etc. Buckskin, uh, I made buckskin for a living and taught the method of how to tan it for over a decade. And it is probably the oldest form of leather that, that man has ever made. We, we The oldest artifact I'm aware of is a moccasin that is about 10,000 years old that was found in a cave in Armenia, I believe. But... If if that technology has existed long enough at that point to make a moccasin, which was fairly tailored, et cetera, and customized, then it's existed for many tens of thousands of years before that. We know Neanderthals were walking around wearing that stuff. Well, at least we know that they were wearing leather clothing because or animal hides because we can see uh, stone tool evidence of it, and we can see um, needles and things like that, bone needles that they were using. So. We can't find actual leather artifacts that are much older because they don't last in the archaeological record very well—not as well as stone or bone. But leatherwork and buckskin, in particular, uh, being such a simple method of turning animal hide into usable material, is potentially hundreds of thousands of years old. Um, and one of—it's uh, it, something that I happened to to get into accidentally and started doing for a living. And then I started doing art on it. So uh, what I do is I take buckskin, um, and, which I don't make anymore. I, I get my buckskin from a tanner who does it. He lives in Pennsylvania. Uh, Lauren Stallsmith. Uh, I think his website is braintanner.com. Great stuff. Um, the, only, the only highs better than his were mine. But I, can't, I don't tan anymore just because my bag is bad. So I take the the hides, and I will first use a wood burning tool, or pyrography tool would be the the proper term because I'm not burning on wood. Uh, But the common name is wood burning. And I'll use uh, a fine tipped tool that I have custom made for me to burn the features of the map onto the skin. And the first time I did that was really because I couldn't figure out a better way of transferring the map of Middle-earth onto a skin. I tried carbon paper. I printed out the map, and I tried carbon paper underneath it, and it just wouldn't transfer. I tried all kinds of things. Nothing would work. And then I realized, wait a minute, I have a wood burner. What if I poke, I literally burn holes through the paper, uh, just dots around mountains and things and roads and rivers to transfer sort of a dotted outline of everything onto the height? Turns out that's actually not in burning, but in actually just poking dots through with a sharp tool is actually an ancient method that you know artists have been using for centuries. <laughs> so, um, so I just kind of reinvented it, and so I started doing that. And then I thought, well, I've already used the burner. I might as well, instead of just like using a pen or a, a even just a brush with paint, let's just connect the dots with the burner and burn the rest of it. In. And that's when I realized that the burning makes the skin shrivel because even our skin, when you burn it, it shrinks. And th- the map became three dimensional accidentally. And since then, I've learned how to, to improve on that and really sculpt a three dimensional relief surface, which is really, really, really cool. <laughs> like, that's why I keep doing it because it's, it is just I, every time I do it, I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is fucking cool. It's just fun. Mm hmm. Uh, and I've done not just maps. I've used that to make portraits and wildlife stuff, uh, you know, birds and things that really come to life because they they literally pop out of the out of the material. And then I paint. And when I paint, I don't always paint on top, but when I do, <laughs> um, I use natural pigments that I I don't mix myself. I could, but it just would take so long and add to the to the. the work involved and then the cost involved which is already high enough because it takes so long um so i get natural powdered pigments that are non-toxic they're oxides or they are ochres and things like that and i mix them with some sort of a base that would apply them to the piece most of the time it's water and just glue i just mix a few drops of water and a few drops of glue with a little bit a pinch of, of the pigment mix that up and in rare cases, actually, that first map I did and um, and afterwards, in, in some special cases, I use the fluid from deer eyeballs. And how did I get to that? I just wanted to make a primitive map and I wanted to keep it as primitive as possible, except for the burning. And I remembered that the juice from eyeballs is a, an ancient paint base. I, I don't know where I heard that factoid. But I had tried it in the past when I used to teach. We used to teach classes. My friend and I taught classes called Using the Whole Animal, where we would start, it was a four or five day workshop. We would start with a live goat and make it disappear. It was like Willow's disappearing pig trick, but on a slow motion (laughs) level, it would take four or five days. Uh, we would eat like kings, and we would make stuff out of it. So one time at, a cl- at one of those classes, somebody asked, "What do you do with eyeballs?" I'm like, "Well, you can eat them, but I heard somewhere you can use them as paint base. So let's make paint. So we just took the eyeballs, and we painted little cave paintings on some on some rawhide. So that's how I, you know, got the idea. Look, okay, I'll, I'll use eyeballs. I actually this is a funny story. I actually went on a first on a first date um, to a to a, <laughs> a to a butcher to cut eyeballs out of deer heads <laughs> so seriously it was like we met, we I was, met that online. Was gonna...
1: what were you gonna say oh that was gonna be my next question actually where do you get wh-
0: who's your eyeball supplier like where do you get materials like that from
2: so so back then i would get them this is you know eight years ago i just it was during the hunting season so around this time of year and i would call i called butchers that and would just you just go down to, if you're ever in search of deer parts or any animal parts that are animals that are consumed regularly as food anyway uh open the phone book if you still have one of those on meat retail and go number by number and start asking questions some of those will not be actual butchers but you even if they're not uh ask them if they know any <laughs> and just start doing the detective work and you'll find sooner or later you'll find somebody some neighborhood butcher that processes deer or whatever or livestock uh, for the local community and um, then you call them and you ask them uh, what they do with their hides or their bones or sinew or eyeballs and most of them are like what (laughs) and they'll give them to you for free for the most part some will charge you some money for it but for the most part they'll give it to you for free uh if you have hunting buddies Uh, so when, um, when I didn't have a butcher around, I would just, I had, I had a friend in New Jersey when I lived in New Jersey that, that hunted more deer in a year than any person does in, in, in a decade. (laughs) And, uh, so he had plenty for me. Usually every season you, I would get several deer worth of, of supplies, be it, be it hides or eyeballs or, or anything else I wanted. Uh, now that I moved to Georgia, I don't have that anymore. So. Uh, I'm going to have to look into it again As far as the first goes, it was fine.
0: <laughs> Candosaurus in the chat wants to yeah, know sure. if there's something particular about deer eyes, or can you use any,
2: any eyeball any game, Probably eyeball. any eyeball I've used deer i've not had to, I've not had the opportunity to use pretty much anything else, just deer are very common, but I'm sure any any mammal or bird eye will probably work. I don't know about fish, but maybe. Uh, it's basically it works like uh, is it is it tempera or whatever what was what it called not not, not tempura because it's not fried but <laughs> what's the when you tempura. use egg whites egg, for egg paint. tempera? yeah so it it's pretty much the same <laughs> it just doesn't flake off and as much as I've heard that egg tempera actually does uh, but it's basically mix it up um, with the pigment paint it on and when it dries it stays and it stays really well and i actually prefer it i i I like working with it better than water and glue just the the properties of it seem to work better for me and the glue sometimes changes the color of the of the
1: pigment a little bit you have to figure that out but i don't get a lot of eyeballs so most of the time i just use water and glue
0: in the realm of fantasy art This isn't something that you see a whole lot of. I mean, not just the eyeball thing.
1: No. Oh, and I also paint with a piece of
2: bone, so I. Yeah, that's why my my stream announcement is come. Watch me rub my bone on my on my skin.
0: the The whole creative process that you have is has a lot of unique characteristics to it, and whereas I can kind of see you know the the appeal, I can see. I can, well, I can see the appeal in it once people are like aware of it, you know, and they get kind of keyed into the Mm -hmm. idea. But for you, how did you start uh, realizing or seeking out the market potential for this product? Was there, was there an active Uh, plan there or did you, were you just kind of doing it and it came to you eventually?
2: Yeah, I was just kind of doing it. There isn't a market for something that doesn't exist, right? Right um and i'm i'm literally the only person i know that does this uh so if it doesn't exist there's no market for it so the market my market sort of is a weird overlap between fantasy cartography video games there's like this this weird thing and people look at my stuff and it and and they don't know what they're looking at and that actually is a problem when i first started i had to it was very similar to teaching and i'm lucky that i had that background because when you're teaching something you a good teacher will constantly try to to fine-tune how they deliver the lesson right how can i can i explain this particular bit of of information in a way that is more efficient and the transfer of information not just me saying it but also that you actually retain it better that you understand it better right so that I quickly realized that with my stuff, people were looking at it and they had no idea what they were looking at. So I had to come up with with the spiel that actually allowed them to understand it. And I still am not, not sure that I have after, even after five, six years, <laughs> eight years of doing it. I'm not sure that I have successfully, but uh, so it was tough. So fantasy maps, people see a fantasy map, they know it's a map, but they don't know what it's made of. So then I have to explain how it's made of. And then they look at the prints and they think the prints are the real thing. And I have to explain that, no, it's not the real thing. Uh, it actually has created probably more problems
1: uh, than anything else. Do you have plans on how to address those? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, not, not, not let's say real. not
0: yet. You're working on it.
1: Well, I guess
2: I'm working on it. Yeah, it's, it's just tricky. Uh, it's, uh, it's especially difficult online. That's another another negative side effect to not having conventions because at conventions people can see and touch. I, I let people touch my prints. I let them touch my the originals because it's really the only way for them to understand it. Uh, looking at pictures of things is really difficult for people to understand what they're looking at and and how I do what I do. I recently adopted a commissions page for my website from my friend Steven Solo who does prop work. And prop work kind of comes close to what I do because he will do anything you hire him to do. He will build whatever out of any material, any size, right? So it's a very wide gamut of things. So he has to explain a lot to people, but why what he does takes a long time and why it costs as much as it does. Uh, So I adopted the same sort of commissions page where there's a lot of reading to do. (laughs) And then once you read all that, which supposedly explains what I do and how I do it, then Fill in all this information. If you really want me to do something, a commission for you, fill in all this information and choose a budget and all of that so that, so that you know what you're getting yourself into. And honestly, that's been saving me probably a lot of time by filtering out the I people feel like who are
1: like, oh.
0: I feel like you're, you're right for somebody making a documentary. Like this, this really needs like documentation. You know, and like,
1: like, a, a, so like I mean, an actual like. Okay, we're gonna make this happen. Can you narrate it? Because
2: you have a sexy voice for that. It's either you or Morgan. Freeman, I, I, so. I
0: I would be all over that. We'll talk more about that.
1: We are coming you up on. voice. Uh, <laughs> <No, laughs>
2: you can do the after the the post credit scene moves. <laughs>
0: We're coming up on two hours. Moose, did you have any other questions?
3: Uh, so um, I did want to mention that we were talking about uh, growing your Twitch channel earlier. And uh, this is much earlier in the discussion. Um, and I saw on Twitter today somebody mentioning that uh, they suggested try getting uh, a lot of drama in your channel. Get uh, show yourself <laughs> as being a victim in order to get a an, grow an audience <laughs> online, and I hope they were joking, but um, at the same time, I'm thinking of uh, Disguised Toast, who was a Hearthstone streamer and you know YouTuber, and you know, he was middle level, like he had like 200 to 300 viewers, and he wore a mask while he streamed. It was literally like a, a cutout of cardboard toast with sunglasses on it disguised (laughs) toast. Right. Um and then he uh put out a video saying that someone was trying to blackmail him and they were gonna show his real face. Uh don't know if that's true or not or if he manufactured this as a marketing thing, but afterwards he had the entire Hearthstone community behind him to support him, which is pretty big, and he ended up being like a ten thousand concurrent viewer streamer afterwards. Mm. but he was also making good content Had, to begin with, so. Well,
0: and also will that last because it's, you know, that big, big, big uh, stunts like, you know, stunts like that have the knack of losing interest after a while, you know, like.
3: Right. Right. So you have to be doing something good anyway, right? So you have to be producing content that people mm-hmm. want to see, and this is just a way for them to find you first at right. first. Um,
0: or keep producing so, drama.
3: So <laughs> I guess some people's entire niche is drama. So that's
2: kind of sad. But. uh I mean, are, I, I literally bled for my art last night. So is that drama? I poke myself find, with uh, four or five needles at the same time. You have to uh, find people to hate in order to bring the love to
1: you.
0: <laughs> so forget the you documentary. We're going. Right. Forget the documentary. We're going reality TV with this. And. It's like it. We're going <laughs> Bravo, like real. Uh, um, what would the title be? Lifetime, maybe. Real. No, real, real streamers this of, me, of Twitch. <laughs> you know, Moose. He, he, he was such a valuable part of this community to begin with, and then something changed. I don't know what happened to him, but I think he went through a hard breakup. No, not There's, it.
2: you it. Know, talking about streaming again, um, I, would, I would give the advice <laughs> that a lot of... That anyone, anyone that streams, to just go back to that topic, anyone that considers streaming or is on social media, it's, it's sort of a fight we all have to fight constantly, I feel like. Um, n- don't fall into the trap of valuing yourself and your work by the number of likes or viewers you get. It's very difficult to avoid. When, when somebody else has more likes than you or you post something and you love it and you get way fewer interactions with it than you, than you imagine, or you're not getting viewers. You know, when I started streaming for the first, other than the couple who, who, who commissioned me uh, for that map, that was the reason that I started streaming. I streamed for, I think, a month just talking to myself and, and the occasional one or two people who would show up. But I just talk to myself as if I was broadcasting to people, right? Um, I'm doing this now, and this is why. And it was just, but don't don't value your yourself by the number of likes you get because you it comes and goes. I've been streaming for three or four years, and I have seen a not only um, my own viewers come and go. Right there, there are very few people, not even a handful. There's like two, maybe two people (laughs) who are still, who were there when I started, who found me really quickly and are still there today. Uh, Most have gone away and maybe they went away for six months and then they come back and then they go away again and all that. So, so your, your online relationships are temporary. Most of them are temporary and that's fine. People will come and go, so don't feel bad when somebody who used to be a regular doesn't show up anymore. It's nothing personal. Most of the time, I don't take it personally. Uh, and I've seen other streamers, even partners on Twitch, who just disappear. And you know, they come and go. The, whether they're burned out or they got a job or whatever. So you, you know, streamers who used to have two or three hundred people watching them and now, you know, if they get ten people, it's a good night. Who knows why? I have no idea why. But that doesn't make their art or what they're doing or them as a person any less valuable. So watch for that because that's a really quick way. That's a that's a very that's a very quick downward down, downward spiral that you can get sucked into.
3: Yeah. Uh, next week we're going to have on a uh, tw- uh, art Twitch streamer who became partnered very recently, and a uh, an artist who streams and also has Instagram that's wildly more successful than their Twitch stream. So it'll be interesting to talk to them about how to balance the two. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. And so on that note, I think that's a great place to uh, put a pin in it. Of course, our last question, Dave, you've answered this recently, so I hope that you have a better answer than you did last time. What's one thing in the world that's really got you excited right
1: now? One thing in the world that really, oh, man. That's I don't know that I have
2: an answer. <laughs> um, hope, hope, hope? You did this know, to me really. last it's, time. It's very, it's very cautious hope um, because, you know, last time we talked, we didn't have the election yet. Uh, so I am I'm very cautiously optimistic. <laughs> but that's pretty much as, as excited as I could get about that. Um, I am excited about Tuna. Yes, that's true. Tuna is just an exciting person in general. Big Tuna Neil. Um, go follow oh, him. He I was hoping you were just seen... going to leave it
0: there without context. Yeah. Just Tuna oh, okay. the fish. Just tuna.
1: I love Tuna. <laughs> he
2: yeah. has never streamed even once. So go give him a follow. Um, just he has somehow he has like 20 some followers, and he's never streamed. Uh, that's how cool he is. So no, actually, I am. Uh, look, I, I, I it's cheesy, but I'm, I'm excited to just keep keep Hanging out with my community of people that show up to my stream or the other streamers that I, that I watch, like you and Allie and Blake and um, Bianca. And I could just rattle off a long list because it's what's keeping me going. So it's just been fun to, to it, that's the one semblance of normal that, we, that I still have, you know, to, to hang out with those
1: people. So uh, I'm excited to just keep doing that. And uh, okay, the, hopefully the world will get better. So it looks like it's
3: going to get worse before it gets better. Just to uh, end on a low note.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, a, Moose, I was ready. I was so ready for it. That's going to be the perfect outro. But no, got to be sour, which is fine. Because this is this is all part of the process. You got to have the, the bitter with the sweet. We'll just we'll stick together. But Cave... Thanks so much, man.
1: Uh, You're welcome. Thank you for having me. This has really been great.